Welcome to this episode of Portraits of Music. I'm Ross Sievertson. And I'm Clay Couturio, music director and conductor of the Richardson Symphony Orchestra. Joining us today is Ian Gill, music and artistic director of the Richardson Community Chorale. Thank you for being with us today, Ian. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, so, Ian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background and how you came to Richardson, just a little bit about... Absolutely. So I was born in Georgia, uh, and I grew up listening to music in the church when I was a little boy and uh, to country music on the radio. So that's what my father listened to. And uh, as I got a little older, my mother used to listen to the oldie station, and I've always thought that that was one of the great uh, lessons in music education that I ever got, was listening to The Temptations and The Supremes and Otis Redding and Sam Cooke listening to their bands and hearing a lot of their songs. When I, when I think of oldies, that's what I think of now. But if you go to the oldie station now, it plays music of the 80s right. and things like that. Absolutely. But, but true oldies is what you just <laughs> mentioned to me. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so those were a lot of the, uh, the artists I listened to growing up. And uh, my mother was a big Elvis Presley fan, so we listened to a lot of that. And my grandmother had uh, some of his gospel records, and so we listened to that when I would go visit them. I sang in the children's choir when I was little, and I played in the um, high school band and middle school band as well. What instrument? I played trumpet. Okay. Yes. And I was in our church choir in high school, and I uh, played in our, in our um, orchestra as well at Vera Beach High School, where I went to in Vera Beach, Florida. So I uh, had a good a good uh, music upbringing there. My uh, My parents weren't too terribly musical themselves. They had an appreciation for music. But uh, all of my uncles on my father's side played instruments from mandolin, sure. guitar, banjo, bass. If it had a string, mostly they could pick out a tune on it. So uh, that's how I got to have my love for playing guitar. And that's what I went to study when I went to the University of South Florida. Very good. Wow. So how did you develop into choral music? So I uh, had sang in choirs uh, from children's choirs and up through high school and church choirs, things like that. And I really got an appreciation for loving choral music and choral masterworks from a trip I took in 2007 to Austria. Uh, I was given the opportunity to go and sing at the Classical Music Festival in Eisenstadt, mm -hmm. uh, where Joseph Haydn was the music director uh, for the Esterhazy family at yes. their palace. And so I got to sing uh, Creation and uh, one of his great high masses there uh, while I was in Austria. And to be in those spaces and to perform the music where they were written That's and where they were written for yeah. was really an amazing experience. And that was a springboard for me to want to uh, pursue choral music. And uh, choral music that's performed with orchestras as well, from the great oratorios to opera choruses and all the great masterworks. Now, I've never been there. I mean, that's a place I'd like to go. What was the venue like at the Esterhazy? Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. You get to uh, this little town. It's built up in the hills in the wine country just south of Vienna. And it's a beautiful, lush, green uh, city there. And there's a lot of older buildings, obviously built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, but the palace had this great hall uh, called the Heidensaal, and that's where they did all their performances. And the ceiling is just covered in all of these beautiful paintings. Um, and I've never been to the Vatican, but it, it, it had that Sistine Chapel mm -hmm. type look to it. 
uh, very ornate paintings of all these different uh, scenes. And so to perform in that space, to do that music was really a, a moving experience. And, and as I said before, that's uh, what really led me to want to work with choirs and choirs that perform with orchestras as well. Are the performers and audience on the same floor or is there an actual stage? So there? they they were not actually. The, uh, the stage that was there was set up probably four feet, maybe a little taller. So the orchestra was a little above uh, above where the uh, the audience members were. But when we went uh, back, I want to say 2014 or 2015, we got to perform the uh, the seasons with a ballet. So wow. they set up a little space for the ballet to be able to uh, ballet dancers to be able to perform. And um, that was another great experience to be able to do that uh, in that space. And that hadn't been done like that before. Mm -hmm. So uh, wonderful memories and experiences of getting to perform there and to perform that great music. Sure. There as well, and that, so. that gave you a love for choral music? And, Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, like I said before, I'd, I'd, I'd sung in church choirs before, but we didn't really do a lot of Haydn or Mozart or Brahms and things like that. So to be able to perform with that uh, festival chorus in that venue was great. And I then went to, on to sing with the uh, Master Chorale of Tampa Bay, and we did okay. uh, master works from Verdi's Requiem mm -hmm. to uh, Mahler II, uh, a lot of really great works. And so that was another great experience that I had being in college at the University of South Florida. Yeah, I was going to say a combination of studying these works while you're at school, at college, and then finding opportunities outside of college to to perform these professionally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and another great opportunity we had was when we were there at the Estrazi Palace, they have, uh, all, I believe, almost all of Haydn's original scores for, for some of his wow. pieces. Yeah. So they would bring them up with the white gloves and they'd set them out on the table. <laughs> and they would not touch, just right. They would yes, specifically right. tell you, don't go beyond this, you know, this little rope or whatever it was. But to see it was interesting because to, to me, I would always think, Okay, the music was written hundreds of years ago, and that's where it was. But now you're actually seeing the parts. Makes it a little more real. That the viola would have played or the, the oboe would have played. It was just fantastic to be able to see it and, and to see how, how much detail was put into each note. To, it, it was just it was fantastic. And experience. literally the hand of the composer. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very fascinating to be able to see that. Sure. Then from there, what, what did you do from after yeah. Florida? So, yes, I graduated from USF in 2011, and I went on to get my master's in choral conducting from the University of Oklahoma, and had a great time uh, studying there, and got to work with the opera chorus and the singing Sooners, and we got to revive a lot of their old spirit songs that they had sung back in the 40s uh, with Bev Henson. The Singing so, Sooners, is that separate from their normal choir? Or is it was a group that we had started, uh, that our uh, director, uh, Richard Zelensky, had started uh, when we were there. But uh, it was kind of in the same mold of the Men's Glee Club that was very popular okay. in the, the 40s and 50s mm -hmm. and so on. And so and then they started that group back up. And so they, they sing to this day, and it's a wonderful group of singers and I was very privileged to have been able to sing with them. Mm -hmm. I visited OU once. It's a beautiful campus. It is. And, it is. Uh, absolutely. And, and kind of a transition for me personally, because living in Florida, it was either hot and humid or it was right. slightly cooler <laughs> and humid. And in Oklahoma, you got all four seasons. I'd never had seen ice before. 
Oh, wow. So, wow. So this... and, and I remember moving there and my, my, my mother was like, you need to buy a winter coat. Cause I did, you know, what is that? You know, yeah. the, the sports coat I'm wearing was about the heaviest thing I owned. And so, uh, that was a little culture shock at first, but, but a wonderful experience really to be in Norman and incredible musicians and teachers that I got to work with. I really enjoyed it. Ice. What about tornadoes? Did you ever see right. Tornadoes? Uh, I never saw a tornado, but we, we were close to a few, uh, Especially when I was working at uh, McFarland Methodist Church there uh, down the street from campus, there were a few times where there would be one in the vicinity, but we never we never had direct. So you're a master of music from OU, mm-hmm. and and then what happened? Uh, well, I I worked at McFarland Methodist Church uh, till 2016, and I was the associate director of music there. So I worked with the chapel choir, uh, assisted with the chancel choir. I uh, we started a a youth orchestra there that played with us occasionally, and it was Great. made up of students from the uh, the choir. So, uh, so it was more more of a chamber group that would play with us, and I would arrange music for them to be able to play if it was a hymn arrangement or some other song we were working on. Because uh, I was always passionate about getting young people to be able to play instruments if they were interested in doing that, uh, and to be able to sing uh, in the choir as well. And so I. I had a great opportunity to to be able to work with them, and we went on choir tours all over. We went to England and wow. to uh, we went up to the Midwest, and we've been through all through the South, through Savannah and Charleston, and down to Florida and Louisiana, all over. So we had a lot of good times on our trips. And from there, how did you make your way to to Richardson? Yeah, I got an opportunity to be a director of music at Vista Ridge United Methodist, and that's in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, my wife was actually uh, from Richardson, and so we'd been down here to this area several times to visit her parents. But you met her before you came. I did. To we, yeah, okay. we met at uh, University of Oklahoma. Yes, okay. she was singing in the choirs there. Was she going to school there at she the was, time? Yes, okay. yes, she was getting a, a, a vocal performance degree and a music ed degree uh, as well. So well, she graduated. Musical family. Then. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So she, uh, she and I moved down to Louisville in 2016, and I started uh, in the spring at uh, Vista Ridge United Methodist. And that was a, a, a change for me because at, at McFarland, you know, there were, when I first started there, there were eight handbell choirs and tons of kids in the children's choir. And to, to move to Vista Ridge was a community church and a wonderful place. Um, to be able to be and to, to worship with everyone there, but a much smaller church. And so we, we got very creative. Uh, we wanted to get some men involved in singing in right. the choir. So we started a group called the Vista Ridge Boys. So we <laughs> we kind of stole that from the Oak right, Ridge Boys. Right, but, right, right. But we'll keep that between us. Sure. Uh, just here. So. Yes. Uh, so we started a men's group, and we, we had about 12 men that came and sang, and we did uh, everything from more traditional choir pieces to gospel things and all all sorts of things to keep uh to keep singers interested and and uh really enjoyed getting to do that. We had some of them play instruments. I played guitar with them and we had a nice. a drummer and a bass player and a pianist and so we really enjoyed. We just made it work. Whatever we did. We needed. You... We did and it was a wonderful place and and I I enjoyed getting to be there for 2 years. So Did you find it challenging to engage the the uh the community there to get them involved? Um not so much. It was a it was a good good community at the church, and we had um, we had about twelve or thirteen singers in our chancel choir, and so uh, like I said, a much smaller church, but a, a wonderful community. Sure, uh, that was very supportive 
um, all the way from the children's choir that I worked with to we we tried to start a, uh, a youth choir right when we were there and uh, all the way up to the Vista Ridge Boys and Chancel Choir and handbells or um, hand chimes that we yeah. had. So very supportive, wonderful supportive community there. Very good. And then from Louisville, how'd you make mm-hmm. it to Richardson? Absolutely. Uh, so I uh, in 2018 in the spring I got a call from. Uh, Clayton Oliphant, who's a pastor over at First Methodist in Richardson, and was wanted to know if I was interested in uh, applying for for a position. And so I uh, came and applied for the position of the associate director of music at uh, First Methodist Church, and was blessed to be able to get that position and work with Mike Lightfoot and Mary Lightfoot and Kim O'Neill and mm-hmm. all the wonderful people on staff there. And so I've been there um, almost uh, three and a half years wow. now. So it's it's been great. We've, well, I, uh, I know they're glad to have you. They're very fortunate oh, to have you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's yes, as sir. I said before, it's a wonderful staff, uh, wonderful facilities, and uh, we really enjoy uh, getting to be there. Well, let's talk a little bit more about music. And um, you direct a lot of choirs, but I know at times you you'll have an orchestra with your choir or instruments. How is it different conducting chorus versus instrumental ensembles? Or, or what are similarities? What are differences? Uh, I try to bring a lot of what I've learned from uh, some of my mentors to whether I'm conducting an instrumental ensemble or a choral ensemble. Um, we still work on basic things, rhythms, mm-hmm. uh, dynamic changes, things like that. Uh, it's interesting working with a choir because now you bring a whole different set of um, whole different set of things to uh, to singing, whether it's diction, whether it's um, yeah. See, there's text involved. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, right. absolutely. So it's it's a whole it's a whole different ball game there, and I I like the challenge of working with singers, uh, especially with our community chorale, because uh, a lot of them um, you know are not professional singers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some people in the in the group who um, who were voice majors. We uh, we have a, a few people who uh, were professional musicians or teachers. And we have some people who uh, who don't read music, mm-hmm. and so we've got everything in between, and and so I, I love the challenge of getting to work with them and to get them to to love the music and to want to perform it well. Mm-hmm. So that's been uh, it's been a good challenge, but uh, very rewarding. And then conducting instrumental players, mm-hmm. how how is that different from the uh, voice? Yeah, I, I I try not to uh, to go at it from from too different a perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but, music uh, is music, then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I've, I've been blessed, especially at First, First Methodist, to work with uh, some of the same players that are in the symphony, mm-hmm. and so wonderful musicians uh, that we've gotten to uh, to perform with and to play with in our uh, Sunday services. Uh, so I, I don't really approach it from from too different a perspective. I know that obviously it's a it's a different um, it's a different thing to to approach rather the choir or the orchestra. But uh, I try to still go in and, and get us to all uh, create a beautiful musical product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. I always tell the orchestra when, when we're going to do a work with chorus, well, while I'm working with the orchestra alone first, by, and the chorus is working you know, with you or whoever, uh, that's our time together. And then I say, okay, when the chorus comes in, all my Thoughts every or not all of it, but a lot of my focus will be for them. They're going to need it. They have less time. We have less time together, so 
you're on your own orchestra. Not really, <laughs> but but they have they have to they have to realize mm -hmm. that you know we have worked together and we know each other a lot better. Mm -hmm. That they uh, the rapport between groups that don't know each other as well, they need that time together, or that focus. So I will give that towards mm -hmm. the chorus. Not that I'm not thinking about the orchestra, <laughs> but it, it's it, it's all there together. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, well, tell us a little bit about the Richardson Community Chorale. What is its background? How long has it been around? So we started, uh, actually our first rehearsal was on September 19th, 2016. And the group came from uh, a choir that was affiliated with UTD. Uh, it was a class that was offered before, and it would be for students, but also uh, community members could come in and sing as well. And so it, it had broken off from UTD, and uh, there was a group of singers, about 26 singers, who wanted to continue to sing together. And I, I recall I was painting my home. We had just moved, and I was covered in paint. We were doing the <laughs> ceilings, and I was... We were drop cloths were lots down. of things. Right. Yes, we, right. we were all over. I had rollers and right. and right. brushes and things. Everywhere. Lots of singing going on. Yes, while I singing. Absolutely, going on. absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, my wife and I were were painting the guest room, and I vividly remember getting a phone call from her grandmother, and she said to me, "Can you come to my house?" And I thought, you know, maybe she needed help mm -hmm. uh, with something at the home. So I said, "Okay." So I again, I I tried to clean myself up best I could. And I go in, and there's this gentleman tuning her piano. His name's Dan Reed. And he was with the group uh, that became the RCC. From UTD. From UTD, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me if I was interested in uh, directing a community chorale. And I said, well, absolutely. I've done that before. And I would love to get to, to get to do that. And so that next week, we had our rehearsal. It was just boom, 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 one thing after another. Wow. And uh, we had 26 singers that performed with us in uh, in December of that year. And then by the next December, we had 44 singers on our second annual uh, Christmas with the RCC. We performed Vivaldi's Gloria and a few mm -hmm. other works. So it's just grown from there. And we uh, we have a little over 60 singers who sing with us now. And um, so we're just really looking forward to the opportunity to be able to uh, to perform with the Richardson Symphony. And, and uh, we've enjoyed uh, getting to sing uh, before when we came. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. You were part of the Celestial Celebration, the women mm -hmm. of the chorus. Yes. Uh, we, we performed the whole, the planets. Mm -hmm. And the last movement of that calls for a chorus in the uh, background. Mm -hmm. uh, just a wonderful, wonderful movement to that, to that work. And it was great. I mean, it was just, mm. it was really good. They really had a lot of fun getting to do that. Uh, I think for a lot of them, that was a diff much different experience. Oh, yeah. Some of them that had sang with an orchestra before, they were, you know, traditionally behind the orchestra, and and that's, you know, normally what we do. But to be off stage Presents have, a different scenario. And yeah. to have that level of difficulty, I think, was very intriguing for them. Sometimes when so. you give a challenge like that, people work, I don't want, they always work hard, but they even work harder because mm -hmm. they know it's a challenge right. and they rise to that occasion. Absolutely. Like sure. they did on that performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they, they really enjoyed getting to do it. And, and when we got this opportunity, they, we jumped right at it and our board was very excited and I was very excited about the opportunity. So does the chorale have its own season? Do you have a season of concerts? Typically? We do. We do. Normally um, we would have a what we call like a mini concert or a run out concert that we would do early on in the fall. And that it traditionally has been either Americana or we've done some patriotic songs, things like that. But they're normally shorter concerts 
and we would do them at uh, senior centers or right. retirement homes, things like that. Now, obviously, with the pandemic, we haven't had a chance to, mm-hmm. to do that, but we're looking forward to the day when we can get back to presenting those concerts. And then um, we would have a Christmas with the RCC, normally be the first or second week of December. And then we would take that rest of that month off, and we'd come back maybe late January, early February with rehearsals, and we would start preparing for our spring concert. All the while, we would have other runouts that we would do. Uh, we've gone to the Richardson Senior Center here before mm-hmm. and several other places around town. And, and So uh, your name, community, literally, mm-hmm. you yes. you serve the community. Absolutely. You're out there. Absolutely, yeah. And in 2019, uh, we got to do a performance of How the Grinch Stole Christmas oh, for for the um, the preschool at First Methodist. Mm-hmm. So we uh, got a narrator, uh, Josh Fitz- Fitzpatrick. He's on uh, staff at, at First Methodist. And he read the story, and we interjected Christmas carols and songs oh. from the original cartoon mm-hmm. uh, version into the show. And so it, we had a great time. The kids really enjoyed it. I got one of the kids to come up at the end, and he directed, uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Oh. And so really loved getting to do that and, and sure. to do that for little kids and oh, to yeah. do that for seniors and everyone in between uh, has always been a very rewarding thing for me mm-hmm. and I think for our singers as well. No Mr. Grinch at that performance. <laughs> we did not, no, but so we did We did sing it. Right. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be fully left out. Yeah. Right. Yes, right. Well, right. Um, so will this performance with the Richardson Symphony be your first performance as a choir? coming back since the pandemic? Or it will this, be. So that's a big deal. It right? will be. Absolutely. Yes. We uh, we spent some time earlier on in the semester working on um, rebuilding up our voices mm-hmm. and singing because a lot of people had just been off from it since our last rehearsal was beginning of March 2020. Mm-hmm. And we were preparing for a concert at that time that would have been in, uh, later in April. Um, and we obviously did not know that we would be going to the next December till the mm-hmm. time we'd be performing. Yeah, none of us did. Yeah. But uh, but we were very excited, at, as I said before, at the opportunity to be able to do it. And uh, and they have definitely risen to the challenge. And not just physically getting ready, your vocal mm-hmm. cords and everything, but but just mentally and spiritually. Yes. Knowing that this is returning, yeah. this is coming mm-hmm. back. That's such a great, great Absolutely. feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard that a lot uh, from a lot of the folks that we've talked about, that, that everybody is really uh, just for, From the musician's perspective, yes. from the patrons and yes. the audience perspective, yes. it yes. means a lot. It, yeah. it, you don't know until something's not there what you're right. missing. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. But it mm-hmm. is true. It is very true. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you really witness it, too. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the selections on our upcoming concert on December 4th. Uh, the first half is going to be orchestra alone, and then the second half is with the chorale. So what are some of the works we'll be performing with you guys? Absolutely. So there are uh, three holiday songs from Home Alone, uh, originally written by John Williams. Uh, it's a fantastic set of songs that I think people will know and they'll recognize from the Home Alone uh, once, film. Once they hear it. you know, Absolutely. People think, of course, when you hear John Williams, Star Wars and Raiders of the sure. Lost Ark and all but he did. He wrote. He mm-hmm. wrote music to other films, and Home Alone mm-hmm. is is one of them. And some wonderful songs, uh, vocally to sing as well. I mean, just some really brilliant moments in these songs that I know the audience really will enjoy. Mm-hmm. Those three selections are somewhere in my memory: Star of Bethlehem and Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, and then we're going to sing some classics. Uh, 
Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's got some wonderful vocal harmonies in it, really uh, reminiscent of uh, some Manhattan transfer vocal jazz type things. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, it's a beautiful arrangement of that song. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it, the actual mm-hmm. arrangement. Everybody knows the song, but there's so many sure. ways to mm-hmm. sing and perform yes. th- these works. So we try Absolutely. to find different ways to do mm-hmm. this. So you're not always listening to the same, same thing, thing over, right. over and over. <laughs> Absolutely. Um Coventry Carol. Yes, a wonderful traditional carol that I think a lot of people probably would hear on a Christmas Eve service mm-hmm. or maybe a service on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wonderful carol to sing. Uh, it's beautifully written uh, dynamically throughout the song, how it starts very soft and somber, uh, but it's, got a, it's, a really, it's a really beautiful text and a really beautiful arrangement. Yeah, it mm-hmm. truly is. Um, before we go through some of the other selections, you mentioned text. I always ask this uh, to my graduate conducting students mm-hmm. here. The, there's text, and then there's the, which is part of the music, but then there's the music itself. Is one more important than the other? Are they equal? What do you think as a musician? So I know that throughout history, it's kind of gone back and forth. Some mm-hmm. people say that, that in certain time periods throughout music that, that the text would be more important or that the music would be more important. Um. I don't see why they can't both be equally important. Mm-hmm. I don't see why they both can't create a synergy uh, amongst between themselves, between the the, the text and the music. Um, and I think that's really where you you come across uh, wonderful performances is when uh, the orchestra and the chorus are really working well together mm-hmm. and um, can really create some beautiful moments. I I think you're right. There there are times. It depends on the composer where some, sometimes the text doesn't align quite the same as what you might do from a musical perspective or musical decision. And in that case, sometimes I think the text has to override because mm-hmm. if you do it just purely on the music and they can't and the audience can't understand mm-hmm. the text or what's going on, then that makes no sense. It's it equates to me like the balance of a soloist. Mm-hmm. If the orchestra's too loud and you can't see all you mm-hmm. do is see the soloist move and you can't hear. It's the same as if you can't understand the text, you yes. might as well not be together. And so, those are those are some of the the best performances I've ever heard, whether it's recordings or in person, where where you could tell that a director really spent time on the diction yes. right. throughout the piece to think, okay, you know, how how can I give an emphasis to this part of the text? Or which one of these words in the line might I want to bring out, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's some some spots, especially in the uh, the three holiday songs mm-hmm. we mentioned before, mm-hmm. that there, you can really lean into the text. And I, I literally have my singers put their left foot out in front of the right, and I want them to physically lean, lean their body sure. into the music, um, so that it's not just one static line going across. That that there is movement and flow to each line that they sing. Uh, much like what I what I've heard when I've heard a great soloist, a violin soloist, or a, a brass soloist, or whatever it would mm-hmm. be, where there's ebb and flow and movement to each line, uh, singers can do the same things. And and I think that a lot of those great performances, uh, they there were people that spent time on those things, not just write notes and rhythms and dynamics, but spending time on the diction, spending time on the text, uh, really brings the performance level up. Would you say that 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 represents much like a musician with an instrument plays the instrument that that becomes the articulation of that music? Is that fair to say? 
Well, I think it's important, especially for, for a choir, for people to understand what they're singing. Yes. Because a lot of times when you'll hear, when I've heard choirs before, it would be the most glorious sound you've ever heard, but you couldn't understand what right. they were actually saying. And that's the whole point of getting 60, 70, 100, 200 singers together is you want to understand what that is. And so we, we do a lot of that in the community chorales. I send them notes on certain words, and I mean syllable by syllable of what the vowel needs to be. Um, about, you know, not chewing through certain words, sustaining right. vowels. We work a lot on that. So any of our singers that are listening to this, they will recognize me <laughs> talking about that because we've done that many times. But that's important, I think, because we're there to present a text uh, along with the orchestra. And it's, it's important for us to be able to have a clarity in that so that the message of the music gets across to, uh, to the Whether audience. it's on a consonant or a vowel mm -hmm. or... When you're singing, sometimes it's not just the flow of, of how you talk. Mm -hmm. If you sing, you might sing and hold yes. that long note longer. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what's going to happen on the long-held note. Well, and, and, and we, we talk a lot about ending consonants of words. Um, S's and T's and right. D's are sometimes problematic right. because if we don't put them on the exact same spot at the beginning of a rest or right. with the next right. word... Right. It's very evident if everyone is holding out a note and you hear a s, 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 you, know, you hear S's throughout. It's very mm -hmm. evident. So we work a lot on that. Um, a and lot you might that. pronounce certain consonants in a different way mm -hmm. than you would normally in your speech, but it comes across in the hall mm -hmm. as if they would normally hear it, the audience. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think there's some songs. Tricks of talk, the trade, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. And we talk about certain, uh, certain more traditional songs. You would talk about a song like Coventry Carol. Uh, which, need, which in, in my opinion, would need to have a more rounded, beautiful tone to it. Um, and there's some other songs that can be sung you know, with either a brighter sound or things like that. But we always try, especially with our singers, to get them to sing um, in, a, in a way that's healthy for their voices so they don't over-sing and, and overdo it. Uh, but a way, obviously, as I said before, that, that the, the diction, that the text is clearly heard. Um, but that it's a it's a complementary uh, performance to go along with the orchestra, so that the orchestra so that we're meeting we're trying to meet their their level of musicianship. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to talk about each of these selections. Just going to mention some of the other mm -hmm. ones that we're going to perform with you guys. I wonder as I wander, mm -hmm. and O come all ye faithful. Nice arrangement of that. The first Noel. Then you guys are going to perform a cappella mm -hmm. in one selection, Deck the Halls. Absolutely. So. A wonderful arrangement by Robert Shaw and Alice Parker. Uh, a lot of people call Robert Shaw the dean of choral music. Uh, I think that a lot of directors who were maybe a generation in front of me or even generations before that were very, very familiar with Mr. Shaw and with his writings and the way that he directed. He was uh, one of the assistant conductors along with Louis Lane, under George Zell in mm -hmm. Cleveland Orchestra. Absolutely. And then uh, he had a fascinating career because he's so well-known as in the mm -hmm. uh, choir world, mm -hmm. but also was a music director of the Atlanta Symphony. Absolutely. And, and, so and, and even... He made uh, the most of it. And even premiered some, some wonderful works. There's a great work by Hindemith, who, uh, When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloom, mm -hmm. he helped to bring that work uh, to the masses for people to be able to enjoy it. A, a wonderful piece of music, terribly difficult to perform, <laughs> but just a wonderful, beautiful piece of music based on a Walt Whitman text. Uh, but as I said before, Robert Shaw, Alice Parker arranged this, uh, this deck, The Halls. Mm -hmm. And it's if you've ever listened to the Robert Shaw Chorale, 
any of those old great vinyl record recordings of of them or find it on Spotify anywhere uh you'll you'll, you'll be familiar with it mm-hmm. you would have heard it. it it'll it'll sound to a lot of people it'll sound like christmas it'll sound like the holidays right. it'll have that feeling to it like Bing Crosby singing White Christmas. Absolutely. Kind of yeah, it's that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said, the orchestra has its own first half. I'm not going to talk about that now. You have to come to the concert audience if you want to know <laughs> what's right. on the first half. Uh, then all the works we mentioned. And then we're going to close the concert with Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. A wonderful arrangement by Joseph Martin uh, for orchestra and chorus. And it's I, – I won't spoil too much about it, but it's it's got a little hint to handle in there. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit, but you've got to make sure you're listening there towards the end of the concert. So Ian, I know you are a busy guy. In addition to your full-time job and to working with the chorale, you do other things as well in terms of performance. Um, I know that you're in a band called The Five Second Rule. Please tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I want to know who's in it and what kind of music you play. So Five Second Rule is a, a group based out of DFW. Uh, we've got uh, members down from DeSoto, up to Plano, and Dallas, and Richardson. And uh, we really describe what we play as being eclectic Celtic. And so that's everything from uh, traditional Irish jigs and reels and slip jigs um, and waltzes, all the way through to classic rock tunes mixed with, uh, we've got one tune that goes from a, a Bob Dylan song into a Bee Gees arrangement. Uh, there's jazz influence in things that we play, and a little bit of uh, uh, Texas flavor. We play Lagrange, oh, uh, ZZ by Top. ZZ Top. Yeah. So that then goes into uh, some Irish tunes. So it's a very fun group. Uh, we obviously with the pandemic, we're off for a little while, but we did do some uh, some videos online, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been performing again. We were at Guitars and Growlers recently, and oh, we really? played up at the Scott Fest up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And so we're just looking forward to to performing again, and uh, we're actually working on an album that'll come out in the spring. And so we're we're just staying busy. You're with a group of very talented musicians in that band. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, share with us who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Our fiddler's name is Cat Glaze. Our drummer's name is Rick Holt. Uh, our one of our multi instrumentalists uh, is named David Lovern. He uh, plays keyboard and whistle and saxophone, and sings, even writes some of the songs that we play. We've, and we've performed some arrangements by him yes, in the Yes, a in the very past, talented guy, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And uh, Paul Dreyer as well, another instrumentalist uh, that plays in the group, and he plays mandolin, uh, harmonica, guitar, bass, a few other things. Wow. And so it's a, it's a very talented group, and uh, I've been very lucky to be able to play with them. Sounds great. Well, I can't wait for your next performance. I know Absolutely. you were at Guitars and Growlers mm-hmm. last weekend, but I couldn't yes. go. So yes, and 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 we're still, you know, playing around and uh, just getting ready to to get it back out and and perform like we've done before. So. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Well, Ian, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, get to yes, know you a little absolutely. bit better, and uh, we look forward to working with you at the rehearsals and in the concert, and uh, we'll have a wonderful experience. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be with mm-hmm. us. So, Laurie, can you tell us a little bit about what else is going on with the 60th anniversary celebration for this year? Absolutely. As we head into our third concert of the season, we will be featuring the 1980s. So we'll have all kinds of memorabilia, including scrapbooks and photographs at the tables in the lobby. So we encourage all of our patrons to stop by and look at that material. It's a lot of fun. 
we'd like to thank our podcast sponsors, Humanities of Texas, The Ray Charitable Trust, and Frost Bank. I want to remind everyone that tickets are available at the Eisman Center Ticket Office and on their website at eismancenter.com. Maestro, thank you. It's always great to chat with you. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to Portraits and Music with Maestro Clay Catorio. I'm your producer and co-host, Ross Sievertson. Remember, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you can get new episodes downloaded to you automatically. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated, and it helps us to provide you with more great inside conversations from the Richardson Symphony Orchestra. Until next time.